All righty, and welcome to the first ever Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez here along with 97.5 The Fanatics, Joe Torrey. Joe, how are you? Jay, we've been talking about doing this, it feels like for months, like yeah. six months, eight months, and now finally we get the urge from Twitter of all places to yeah. get this launched. I'm psyched to be here. Well, one of the reasons, and, and we'll kind of explain the podcast first and foremost, one of the reasons why I finally made the plunge was because everything that's going on around the NHL right now, everything that's going on around the Flyers moving up to the second pick, everything that with the expansion draft and everything else, this volatile time in not only Flyers history, but a lot of changing around the NHL. And we, I go on the radio every day with Mike, but we can't talk about it. Right, yeah. So I said, you know what? I've had enough of this. I got to just do it. And I got so sick of the idiotic people. I said, let's just let's have a geek hockey podcast. It's going to be about the – we'll do a lot of Flyers, no doubt, because that's where we are, right? Of course. And we will talk, definitely talk a lot about the league. We'll talk about certain positions. We're going to look at prospects and how they're kind of uh, going in the Flyers system, and we'll look around the league at other prospects. We're going to talk just about everything that has to – we'll get into equipment, like geeky stuff like equipment. We're going to have some long-form interviews with former players and broadcasters and media members, and we're going to put it out, and we're going to do this every week. So I'm not sure if we're going to release it every Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to have to see, actually, when the Flyers schedule comes out Thursday. And if you're hearing this past Thursday, I'm sorry. But um, nonetheless, we know when the Flyers are opening up at home, and we know when they're starting their season. And we'll get to that in a minute. But kind of what we want to do here is we want to interact with all the hockey fans, right? So we're going to take questions on Twitter. I think eventually what we're going to do is maybe some Periscope or Facebook Live or something like that as well. Right. Well, so there's a lot of fans, too, that we talk about how provincial we are here in Philadelphia. The hockey fan is getting to be less and less provincial as the game gets to be more and more interesting in terms of the advanced stats and the different ways that teams are being put together. Like what Vegas is doing, we're going to get to that yeah. in a little bit, too. The way that they're building a team is fascinating. There's a lot of different things to get into, and this is a cool space to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, is you know, we're, we're not restricted in any form here by you know, over the air radio rules. So we, you know, not to say we can curse, we can curse, but who cares? That's not really, that's not what this is about, but uh, we are going to get into things that maybe will be a little bit too in depth for what you would do over the regular radio. And that's the freedom. And one of the reasons why uh, we wanted to do this podcast and have some fun and really kind of interact with everybody, uh, everything uh, through wildfire, they're going to be handling the podcasting. And we definitely appreciate that. Jim has been great to deal with. And eventually in a couple of weeks, I'm told, I know nothing about this, but everything's going to be uh, put into iTunes and Stitch. Is that something, Stitch or something? Yeah. People have been asking me, how, how can we listen to this? Yeah. I've been telling them, I have no idea yet. Wildfire's yeah. taking care of all that. So yeah. And, we'll and, we're gonna ha- and we'll tweet out a page, too. There's going to be a page uh, on Wildfire's website. There'll be a message board there and also a blog. So we're going to contribute some writing uh, as we see fit. And then, obviously, we want people to interact on that message board as well. And, obviously, through Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N. M-Y-R-T, and Joe, yours is what? At Joe Torty, J-O-E-T-O-R-D-Y. And there you go. By the way, coming up, just to let you know, uh, we're going to talk with Flyers uh, Assistant General Manager and Director of Player Development, uh, Chris Pryor. He's actually in uh, Chicago getting ready for the draft. He's not in Vegas, uh, but he's going to join us from uh, Chicago coming up in just a little bit as we get ready for the NHL entry draft, which, of course, is on Friday. And you know what? That's a great place. Well, real quick, before we get to that, I'm seeing so much of this on Twitter today, and this is Wednesday, uh, June 21st, about the Flyers trading the number two pick. After getting so lucky to get there in the first place. A 2.4% chance to get the pick, and now we're seeing all these rumors that they're trading it. But now you see idiots that say, boy, if the Flyers traded the number two pick to Las Vegas for Marc-Andre Fleury, I think that'd be great. 
That's idiotic. Great for who? When he's a 32-year-old player, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you're not going to trade the number two pick for that. But whatever. They're going to keep the pick, in my opinion. It's found money. You're going to get a great talent, whether it's Nico or Nolan Patrick. So you keep the pick. Well, and Jay, the other thing is that people talk about accelerating things with the Flyers and, and Ron Hextall is taking too long to get things going. Well, the truth is lucking into the number two pick yeah. accelerates things. Not necessarily that whoever the number two pick is going to be an all-star right away, but all of a sudden some of the other lesser pieces on your team become more expendable. You move them. You help your team that way. This is a great thing. Trading for 32-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury or really anybody else that you would trade the number two pick doesn't get anything done for yeah. you. Yeah, and if you get a guy like Patrick, you so the big news today is they lose Pierre-Edouard Belmar, at least reportedly to this point, to the Las Vegas Golden Knights in the, uh, in the expansion draft. Now, look, I, I loved Pierre-Edouard Belmar personally. He was a great guy, a great story. If you know his story out of France and didn't really even want to play hockey, played in the Worlds last year, played great. Yep. I'm sure that's a reason why George McPhee ended up selecting him, seeing his play there with the best players in the world. Uh, but, to, you know, Flyers signed him to a deal. He had an A on his jersey, but that's fine. He could end up being their captain, actually. But it's not a great loss from a hockey standpoint. He didn't have a lot of points. He eight points, I think, last year. Right. So it's not a loss from a hockey standpoint. He's one of the guys... And I equate him actually to Daniel Winnick in a lot of areas mm-hmm. where you can play him up and down the lineup in a lot of different situations, and he's not really going to hurt you, and he might pleasantly surprise you, but he's not the guy that you can constantly rely on all the time for point production. Defensively, it's a different story. Yeah. But, I mean, I- I'm with you. I'm a little bit surprised that Jordan Wheel wasn't the selection. I know well, that there's yeah. a deal in place, a handshake, wink, wink, yeah. nod, nod thing. I'm, if I'm Vegas, I'm taking my chances anyway. I'm a little surprised. Well, yeah, the interesting is, thing that we're going to have to look and see is, how McPhee selected the players for the expansion draft, and then what he's going to do with them. Right. You know, is James is he going to take James Neal? And that's been a guy that's been rumored. And then what is he is he going to flip James Neal? Is he going to keep James Neal because he needs goals? It looks like he's going to have a pretty decent core of defensemen and and probably and possibly goaltending, depending how he handles that as well. Uh, but you know, what players is he going to use as an asset to get a multitude of picks? Because he's going to own this and next year's draft. Just the way it is. Because you see it, and right now, the players that have been leaked so far, you say, all right, these guys have some like legitimate names that you've heard of. David Perron can mm-hmm. score at the NHL level. James Neal, Mark Mathot's a top four defenseman. Ends, yeah. uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, these are all guys who have been projected to go, and obviously we'll know in a matter of hours here. By the time this comes out, you'll probably know. But if you just look at that core, you're starting with something if you're Vegas. Yeah. It depends on how many of those stick with the Knights. All right, let's let's uh, let's real quick, let's go to... Nico and Patrick. Now, your preference when you're looking at these two players, um, they're similar players in a lot of ways, but there's subtle differences. Patrick's ready for the NHL right now. He's got the body. He's play, he can play in the NHL right now. Nico Hischer is obviously the guy that's been rising up the rankings. Craig Button, I believe, I even put him at number one in his final draft rankings. Who's the guy that you prefer for this Flyers team? To me, I need proven. And you take a look at these two players. There's one, And by the way, not in terms of talent, but in terms of skill set when I make these pro comparisons. Nico has been compared to a guy like Pavel Datsuk in terms of the flash of his game. The where skill set with those hands. Yeah. Right. On the other side, you've got Patrick, who's more of like a right-handed, big power guy, not afraid to drop the gloves, like Ryan Getzloff. Yep. So when you look at the way that the Flyers have been built and Ron Hextall has built the team, 
one of those feels more flyer-like. It well, just feels yeah. like Nolan Patrick's going to be more of the guy that they want. Plus, don't forget, Jay, he missed the draft last year by like five days. He was he's, almost he's eligible. He's an older player for, right. his, for his age group, yeah. So, yeah, even though he's had the injuries this year, you've had two years to look at him in the WHL, and he's been the best player from far off for a long time. Now, Nico, on the other hand, was outside of the top 15 when the season started. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's number one. That's a really small sample size. Yeah, and the and the other thing about it, let's let's if we're being real about this, if Patrick doesn't get hurt, there's no question. Right, he's the number one guy, and it's it's there's not even a debate. His injuries happen. Two hernias, sports hernias this year come into play. It drops him uh, to second on some people's. We'll see how it plays out. You know, you look at the New Jersey Devils who select first, and you know, you big center up the middle. That, that's kind of their DNA as well, no doubt. So what's going to happen come Friday? Who the hell knows? One guy probably knows right now, and that's Shiro in New Jersey. I prefer Nico because I want that flash. Um, but in this case, the Flyers don't actually have a choice. So they're going to get a really good player. Uh, Nolan Patrick, I'm sure, is going to come in and, and be very good. And you've seen young players taken at the top of the draft, whether it's Matthews and Line A. And I grant it, those guys are at a little bit different level. Uh, Matthews and Line A or McDavid and Eichel. Uh, have success right away. I, I would expect that Patrick could play the middle and be fine right away. Nico, I think you'd have to put him on the wing. By the way, if you're looking at uh, kind of indicators or looking to the past for which player might be preferred by the Flyers, you think about Ron Hextall, born in Brandon, yeah. played for ba- for Brandon, part of the L.A. Kings group that drafted Braden Shen and then also drafted Ivan Provorov both Brandon Wheat Kings of the WHL. So there's definitely a pipeline there. He knows yeah. Brandon really well, and he likes what they produce. Yeah, big familiarity there. The Flyers will have 11 picks, by the way, in the draft coming up on Friday, and we'll talk to uh, Chris Pryor, uh, Flyers Assistant General Manager, in a couple of minutes. Uh, let's talk about the goaltending situation really quick because one of the guys that the Flyers left unprotected, they signed him to an extension, was Michael Neuver. So he is uh, obviously, if Belmar, this, in, this news is indeed fact, Neuver survives and is not taken by the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Golden Knights. So now you have Michael Neuvert and Anthony Stolarz. Right. Are you com- I'm not comfortable heading into the season with that. <laughs> well, Jay, at all. It, it seemed like they signed him to, to be him. yeah, to yeah. be exposed. So when you take a look, the news just came out earlier this week that not only is Marc Andre Fleury going to be selected, but that the Penguins shipped off a draft pick to ensure that's the case. The Penguins likely were eyeing up a guy like Neuvert and saying, well, GM George McPhee has history with him, has said that the only thing that's kept him from being a top flight goalie at the NHL level is the injury thing. Maybe he'll take a chance on him. And so now instead we're looking across the state and saying, gee, thanks, guys. Really yeah. appreciate you helping out our draft strategy. I don't think they expected Belmar to be taken. No, I, really I don't, don't think they did either. I mean, everybody had hoped for McDonald, obviously, right. or Matt Reed, you know, guys with bigger numbers and uh, more term. Uh, but nonetheless, so Neuvert's back. I don't go into the season with Michael Neuvert because, A, I can't bank on a guy that can only give me 25 games. He's good when, he's, when he can play and he's healthy for the most part, a little bit inconsistent. But, but Anthony Stars is my backup is not a good plan. I got to go out and get somebody. Now, who is that? We've heard some subtleties of a possibility that, well, Flurry gets selected by Las Vegas, and they could then flip him to the Flyers. Flurry, 32 years old, not at the peak of his career. Would you take him on a two-year bridge? I would if he were available. But mm-hmm. I, I, Vegas is so – Flurry's there. Now he's yeah. in Vegas, so like when when they announce the picks, he's going to be there as like the face of the franchise. Yeah, they're not, not going to parade him out there if they're going to flip. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, but we but the Flyers are running out of plans. Yeah, we, we've heard and running about, out of goalies. That's what I, we've heard about. Darling, yeah. that gets snapped up. 
flurry was a possibility for a long time. There was smoke and fire there yep. for a while. It didn't happen. Now we're looking at guys like Bernier. Is that the best solution for you? Probably not. Now you're looking inside your system. Alex Lyon, is that the guy not that you ready. want as your backup? Yeah. You're running out of options here. Yeah, you really run into a tough situation. Do you pick up the phone and call Mason? That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. But, no, I mean, you got to look at this, and you mentioned Bernier, or you know, you find out now that there's a lot of problems apparently in Detroit with Peter Morazic. Do you take a run at him? Uh, skilled player has been wildly inconsistent after really busting on the scene and taking the job from Jimmy Howard. But do you go after a guy like Morazic? He's getting paid pretty well and he's under contract. Or do you look maybe at a guy like an Anders Nilsson or, or, or do something like that? I, I don't know how you remedy this situation, but what I do know is I'm not happy going into the season with Michael Neuvert and Anthony Stolarz. No, well, you could almost talk yourself into a reclamation project because you've seen the Flyers do good things with Michael Delzato yeah. over a brief period of time. Their history with goalies isn't there. So if something's wrong with Peter Morales... Their history's there. It just stinks. <laughs> it's a history's terrible. History, yeah. It's a terrible history. So somehow he's been passed by Jimmy Howard, who was persona non grata for a season and a half Making a lot of money. Yeah. And, yeah, and they still and they protect Jimmy Howard. That should tell you all you need to know. Exactly. So it's, on the surface, you say, yeah, Morazic looks like a guy... But why did Vegas pass on him? Yeah. Why didn't they protect? It doesn't make any sense. So if you're on the, the Mrazic train, I'm just saying pump the brakes a little bit. There, there's got to be something up there. Yeah, I mean, the construction of this team is going to be really interesting. The goalie position, obviously, how this team enters uh, the season based on the amount of uh, prospects and rookies they have. You're going to lose Michael Delzio. You're going to have some turnover defensively. I mean, you, could you have upwards of six rookies on this team? I don't know. That might be five, might be the max. But we'll see how this plays out. Ron Hanks always saying, you know, their players got to earn their way here. Oscar Lindblom, is he going to need some time in the AHL to kind of hone the game to the North American game? Those are all great questions and how this is going to kind of play out. It'll be very interesting. But right now, Flyers Assistant General Manager and Director of Player Personnel, Chris Pryor. Chris, are you in Vegas or are you uh, a Chicago bound? <laughs> no, no, we're in Chicago getting ready for the draft in a weekend. Well, the center of the hockey universe seems to be in Vegas right now, although that'll go to uh, Chicago come Friday. How has this expansion year kind of changed uh, your offseason and the kind of the way you guys handle things? Well, I think it's you know it's one of those years that with it, they don't see a whole lot because of expansion doesn't come around every 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 summer. So yeah, everything seems to come together all at once with the expansion and. You know, our, our, every individual team's their, their protection list, and then the draft. So it made made for a busy couple weeks here, but uh, it's coming to an end real quick here. We'll have a, we'll get a little better picture of tonight and um, see where we're at after tonight, and then uh, get ready for the draft on Friday. Yeah, of course, the entry draft comes up on Friday uh, in Chicago. Uh, you guys move all the way up uh, to number two in this draft from thirteen. Quite a big jump. You had a two point four four percent chance of doing so. Uh, first of all, what was the the feeling when you saw that you moved up uh, that far to be in the the mix here to pick some of the, these t- at the top of this draft? Well, it was uh, a lot of emotions going through that. You're watching, you're really, you know, with the the, the percentages uh, weren't obviously in our favor. So you're watching, and the first two cards go up. So you're thinking, well, okay, here we go again, and all of a sudden, the next card go up, and and you're you're kind of there's a like I said, there's a a lot of emotions run through your head real quick, uh, but I was uh, I was very obviously from a, we're very happy where we're at. We know something that um, either got to be real lucky or have not have a very good year to get in that position right now. So we were very very fortunate to to get in the two hole, and and we'll see what happens on Friday night. 
Now, you guys, people know that, you know, you don't just scout players and kind of determine uh, what you're going to do from lottery night in. It's a, a longer process than that. You guys have been working on this for a while, looking around the world, around uh, all around the different junior ranks and uh, internationally. How did this change? Uh, you guys have to all of a sudden look at a, maybe a group of players a little closer that you maybe not considered because you didn't figure they'd be there. How did that process kind of go through for you guys? Well, unfortunately, you know, it, it, when it, the lottery isn't until the end of the year, so it doesn't give you a whole lot of time from a viewing standpoint. Uh, but uh, from the from overall, from a viewing from the from uh, start to end, we had we had enough viewings on both those. Uh, those players or all those players at that group that we're anticipating are going to be in the top end of the draft. We feel pretty comfortable with our viewings and uh, we've been doing our due diligence here last since that lottery, since that two came up, that two card came up for us. We've been, uh, our guys have been really busy um, getting ready for that that group of players. So we, we feel pretty comfortable right now. We're talking with Flyers Assistant General Manager and Director, Director of Player Personnel, Chris Pryor. Uh, obviously, the two guys at the top of the draft, we've seen in the last uh, couple of drafts in the NHL entry draft, a couple of generational players going uh, in each of those. You, you have McDavid and Eichel the one year, and then you see last year Matthews and Line. A. Uh, this year, it's another two-player before the drop-off. Uh, what do you guys look for when, when you look at these uh, type of players that are really high-end prospects, guys that are going at the top of the draft? To separate players like this is very difficult. Uh, what do you guys kind of look for and drill in uh, both on the ice and off the ice? Well, we, we're big believers in character and playing the game the right way. Uh, as we've seen with some of our players in the past, we think that those two intangibles uh, go a long way uh, for being a really good pro. Sometimes maybe you're gonna, we take a um, we'll take a guy with really strong character and 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 the way he plays the game. Uh, we'll take a little bit more on that. We we're high in those uh, those credentials, so that's something our guys are really focus hard on. And obviously that. The skill package and and everything else goes along with those things. So again, those are those intangibles, and, and along with the high end skill, usually put those guys at the front of the pack. When you're looking at a player like Nolan Patrick and Nico Hischier, when you look at the you know the one concern with Nolan Patrick has been uh, the injuries, albeit they haven't been successive injuries to uh, for the same part of his body. When you you guys brought him in, you wanted to take a look at that. Uh, you guys obviously were hop- happy with what you saw. Well, we're still doing our due diligence from from that standpoint. Uh, um, we're trying to piece everything together here, and, and uh, um, but it, it, it's you know the kid the kid had a you know it's one of those years. I mean, everybody has those years. Sometimes, you're, unfortunately, you don't like to have those when you're a young guy. But uh, he's a he's a strong character kid. He, he's worked extremely hard to get through the through, through this year, and he's looking forward to being healthy and moving on to the following year. So. Uh, and we've we've seen him quite a bit the year before as an underage. Obviously, we've seen him when when Ivan was there. So we got we got a pretty good handle on on the, not only the kid as a player but the kid as a person. So we feel pretty good about him. When you look at Nico Hischier, when you look at his game, uh, obviously it's a little a little less uh, of a polished game maybe than Nolan Patrick. But what does he do that really jumps off the uh, the page when you when you get a chance to look at him? Well, both both Nico and, and, and Nolan are. Are, again exemplify the, the some of the traits that that we gravitate to from a character standpoint playing the game the right way even though their games aren't aren't identical they both responsible players uh, they play a 200 foot game uh, they're good teammates uh, they have strong character and from, they're from good families so um, 
they all they got a lot of things going for them that are, are very attractive. Yeah, you guys have a lot of pick in the, picks in this draft. Uh, you know, we're, we're focusing on two because that's the obvious thing. But you do have eleven selections in this draft. What, what do you guys want to accomplish as an organization here? You have great depth at uh, at defense in your prospect pool. Uh, with uh, we've all heard the names of Sanheim and Morin and everybody else, Philip Myers. Uh, what do you guys really want to accomplish here from an organizational standpoint? Well, I think we're just continually add to that that pool of of young prospects. Um, we're very happy over the last few years of of the pool we have. Um, obviously, we're, we got eleven picks this year, and um, our our guys as as well the thirty other teams. I know their their staffs work extremely hard, but I can just I can comment on ours. I know the amount of miles and the amount of nights they spend on the road, uh, and they do a great job. And um, we got eleven picks. We're going into Friday. We're extremely excited about uh, all of them, not only the, the the two hole, but the other ten picks behind that. Uh, guys, guys do a lot of work and put a lot of time. And this is the biggest time of the year for for these guys in our organization. It's a big time. So we're looking to add add to that pool of players, and it's an exciting time for for uh, Flyer, not only from from our organization, but um, for the fans of Philadelphia. I think it's going to be. Uh, for the next few years, it's, it should be fun. Having that number of picks, that obviously helps you guys. If you see a guy in the second, third, fourth, whatever round you might be in, you can use some of those picks. If you identify a guy that yeah. may be close and you can jump up and get, that's something you guys certainly look yeah. at. Yeah, as you've seen, as, as what we've done in the, you know, Ron did that a couple uh, year, year with Travis Konechny there. Uh, uh, we're happy, lucky enough to to move up a couple spots and, and, and grab Travis, and it gives you – the latitude to make some moves and some flexibility when you do have some extra picks there. So uh, it does give you those, that option if, if needed. And uh, it's uh, like I said, it's we're uh, that that third and fourth round. We're going to be busy time, so it, it's exciting. Yeah, and your guys' phone will certainly be ringing quite a bit. We're talking with Chris Pryor, assistant general manager and director of player personnel for the Philadelphia Flyers. And Chris, somebody with your background, you got to love working with a guy like Ron Hextall, who really values draft picks and development of players. That's been a good marriage for you, right? It's been a good marriage for our, yeah for for our whole staff. I mean, that's not that's not any criticism of, of what we've done in the past. The, the landscape's a little different now, and, and you know, where Ron is, is, is drafting and developing, and you know, over you've seen in the last few years, we've accumulated uh, a lot of picks, and, and and you're starting to see the fruit of the labor in the last couple of years with the, the kids coming. Um, so, like I said, it's it's just, it's time. It takes time. You can't rush it. It takes time and patience. you got to draft and develop, and, and with that, um, you're going to start to see some of that um, like I said, the fruits of labor come up here next year or so. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's talk about a couple of players real quick. Uh, one of the uh, the players that uh, you guys decided to protect was Scott Lawton. What did you see out of his uh, this year he had with the, the Phantoms uh, that really kind of uh, rounded his game out a little bit? Uh, from what I read and, and everything I've learned, it's uh, he's really become more responsible on the full 200 feet. I thought it was a really good year for Scott to get, get back down there and get his feet under him and get um, identify, find his identity. I mean, I think he's just because of some of the injuries the last couple of years, he's kind of maybe lost his footing a little bit. And he went down there and credit to Scott first and foremost, and Scott Gordon down there. They did a, the two of them did a really, a really good job getting his game back. I think Scott feels really good about himself. And I think it, um, you can see his game transferred in his on ice. Uh, he, um, he's back to being Sky Lawton, the kid that, um, we anticipated maybe a few years ago when we drafted him, and like I said, it's just I think he just got lost a little bit. Um, injuries and health 
But yeah, you know, four year under his belt down there. I feel I think Scott feels really good about himself and about his game, and and you can see uh, how he plays on the ice now. Yeah, he'll certainly come into camp uh, pretty confident with that. Right, let's look at some of your deep prospects because you know a lot of people focus uh, on your defensive prospects, and you guys have certainly a good amount of them. Uh, I want to hit you with a couple of guys. And Sam Moran, we saw him. He made his debut in the NHL last year. Um, he'd maybe been a, a little bit of a, a slower guy to get to the league uh, from that draft class. But uh, what did you see out of him, and where, where has he really improved his game? Well, I, I think, again, it's, it's finding that, that identity. Um, sometimes the, the junior kids, I mean, especially with Sam, he's, you know, he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. And he, sometimes you can get away with things that you're not able to get away with at the pro level. And I think it took Sam a while to, to figure what he can do and what he can't do. And for a bigger guy, we all knew it was going to take some time. I mean, there was no work. You know, it's, unfortunately, sometimes everybody's looking around and seeing guys that taken right around him are playing. And we all knew it was going to take a, a couple of years for, for Sam. And he's done a great job. He's went in there with the right attitude. Um, big Shell Samuelson has worked with him for the last couple of years. I think it's it's really paid off. And, and it, again, it's, as with, with Sky, it's very important for – those kids to be comfortable with what they are and, and, and play their, their identity. And, and uh, Sam has done that. Um, and he's been, you know, a couple of years in American league is, is really pays dividends at the end. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's look at uh, Travis Sanheim. A lot of people really high on uh, Travis as, mm-hmm. as a guy at the NHL level, especially with the way the game is played today. Uh, he gets a year in the AHL and uh, albeit a very successful year, certainly from your standpoint as well. No question. I mean, uh, again, he's, both all these kids, I can't say enough about their, the the way they come to the, come to the rink every day and the, their approach to the game as far as their work ethic and their their attitude. And, and Travis has done a great job. He, um, coming out of juniors again, it might be the biggest jump for these kids is from junior hockey or college hockey to the American League. All this, you know, you're playing with men. Uh, it's a job now, and that's a big jump for these kids. And I think uh, Travis is. You, if you talk to Travis, uh, he'll be the first to admit that. Um, that he, you know, it was a learning experience for him. And as the year went on, he felt more comfortable. He's getting bigger, stronger. He's able to start to handle um, these matchups against some of these bigger and stronger guys. And we all know the, the offensive attributes that he brings to the table. And he's learned to um, play the other side of the game too. And that, that, which is from a defenseman, that's important too. So it's a big. It was a big year for him, and you're handling it really well. Yeah, let's let's look at a couple of your forward prospects now. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, and this guy a later pick. You guys found a gem here. Uh, first, who are you going to credit with finding Oscar Lindblom, and uh, talk about his development as well? Well, I mean, as a we we tend to work as a group here, but I you know you got to give a lot of credit to to our guy over uh, Joachim Grunberg, our, our Swedish scout. He did uh, everybody sometimes is pounding their fits for guys you know we everybody sees these guys but some you know the area guys tend to see the guys the most and he was really excited about the opportunity uh, when oscar was available when we took him and the kid um is on you know, that league over there doesn't get enough credit that's a tough league to play in yeah. that swedish league and the elite league and he's done a really good job and um i think you saw last year when he came over and got a little bit of a, a sniff in the american league he, it um, he showed what he could do, and we're excited that this will be a full year for him to come over here. And uh, but um, big adjustment we'll to the American to, to the North American game for him. He, I think that his uh, 
you know, it's always an adjustment because it's, you know, it's a big, it's a debate is a big difference, but the way Oscar thinks the game and plays the game, I think he'll, he'll handle it real well. And I do think the time he spent in American league last year is going to help his, his transformation. So again, we'll see it. We're excited to see him at camp and see how he does. We're talking with Chris Pryor, assistant general manager and director of player personnel for the Flyers for a few more moments. Hey, Chris, uh, you know, working with a former goaltender is the GM and Ron Hextall. You know, goalies are always uh, a priority no matter what. So important in this game. Uh, let's talk about Carter Hart. And the, you know, he's had two really good years. Uh, how's his development going and, and uh, the kind of the arc that he's on towards uh, getting to the AHL and the NHL eventually? Well, I think he's on the right path. Uh, he, you know, that Everett team in the last couple of years is played a really structured, sound defensive system, and Carter's been the backbone of that team, and he's handled it really well for a young kid. Uh, obviously, we know that he's um, was familiar with Carter's path. He played at the World Juniors for a young guy, did really well. Uh, he's going to, you know, there's, again, with goalies as any other position, it just it takes time and patience, and they got to play games and see a lot of pucks, and, and you know, they're going to have some ups and downs and just grind through it, and he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's got... Uh, a lot of potential there, so he's on the right path, and we're happy with his development so far. Is that the hardest position for you guys to kind of identify uh, talent and, and really kind of because so much of it, it takes the development once you get the goaltender and and to really forecast for for that position. I, I think if I think you could probably uh, survey thirty one teams and all say the goaltenders, it's, it's the hardest. It's hard to evaluate and hard to project. Um, no path is the same. I mean, if you look at some guys, you know, those early first-round picks make it, and guys that play, they'll go through the East Coast League, Southern Professional League, be free agent, bounce around to three, four. Like Scott Darling, yeah. Sudden, <laughs> Scott Darling and 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 Dubnik in Minnesota has had, you know, he's and it gives credit to those both those guys and 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 others and uh, on the same path, the due diligence and the character and the work ethic. I mean, it's it's a hard position probably the hardest might be the hardest at all sports from a pressure standpoint and yeah when you mess up at that time. position everybody sees everybody knows <laughs> yeah, it yeah <laughs> you don't have it yeah you're you're under yeah it's a tough position so i give credit to the goaltenders it's it's something that um we all know when when they're playing well everybody loves but when they're playing bad they get they get exposed so it, from a mental standpoint it, it's something that you got to be very strong mentally and it takes some time to develop that sometimes when you talk about integrating uh, rookies and young players into your your big clubs lineup at the at the NHL level with the Flyers, uh, seeing some of the success of the young players around the league is that a factor? It's well, a young man's it's, game, it's, I guess, is what I'm saying now. Yeah, I think it's a, it's getting to be a younger game, and, and it's a different game. And uh, but yeah, you know, as you probably know, talking around and, and his philosophy is, we're not going to put any kids in the in the lineup that they're not ready to play. I mean, it, it does. As much as you love those, the young game and the young legs, and it can do detrimental damage to their development if they're put in there too early and they're not ready for it. So, we're going to bring in kids. We love to bring young kids in, and, and we're all about that. But they're when they're ready, they got to earn it. They got to earn it. And you know, there's nothing wrong with those kids spending a year, two, three years in the American League right now. It's the it's the best league in the in the world next to the NHL and uh, pays huge dividends, and I think at the time the kids might not, they might not like it, they might not agree with it, but I think in, in a lot of those kids, if they you talk to them now and, and look back at it, they'll say it's the best thing for them. Yeah, well, Chris, hey, we really appreciate the time. Uh, good luck coming up on Friday with the entry draft, and uh, certainly this off season. And uh, uh, the season's not that far off. They announced the home opener today against the Caps on yeah. October fourteenth. 
It'll be right around the corner. But I appreciate Jason. All the best and have a good summer. Flyers assistant general manager Chris Pryor joining us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. It's Jason Mertidis and Joe Torty here. Uh, my Twitter handle at Jason Mert J A S O N M Y R T. Joe, yours uh, at Joe Torty J O E. T-O-R-D-Y. You have a hard time yeah, spelling your name. Yeah, remembering my name every once in a while. There you so. go. All right, here, coming up in a, as we go through here, we're going to talk about the NHL awards because, of course, the the, uh, the ceremonies are tonight. The, the award winners are going to be announced along with the expansion team tonight. The draft is on Friday, and uh, it, it's a crazy week in hockey right now. Uh, we'll get the schedules tomorrow. The Flyers will start their home opener. It'll be October 14th against the Capitals, and by what it looks like, they're going to open up on the West Coast again. Again. Against San Jose on October 4th. Like, what? I texted a guy that works for the what the hell's going on? No respect. Two years in a row on the West Coast. And it's not like it's been a series where it's been alternating and then all of a sudden it just popped up. Because I think if memory serves, this is three out of the last four years that they've started yep. out in the Western Conference. So, I mean, you're looking at a serious travel schedule to start, especially with a young team. We talked about that a little bit earlier. There's going to be a lot of turnover with this team, a lot of young guys. A road trip's not necessarily the way that you want to start. Well, there is an advantage. I talked to some guys about this last year, what had happened. And the advantage is this, is that you get a West Coast trip out of the way when you're not, like, bouncing around in the sure. middle of the season. So you kind of knock one out. Uh, teams don't mind starting on the road, too, because there's no distraction on the road. You, all you're doing on the road is practicing hockey, going to the hotel. Everything's together. The control they can really control everything. It's so, a business trip. Yeah, yeah. You go out there and you want to take care of it. Win two out of three. Come home and start your season uh, against the Caps coming up on uh, October 14th or whatever, however long that trip will be. I, I tend to think you don't make that like a five or six game road. Right. right yeah. Exactly. Hopefully you'll be home quickly. So yeah. You know, you you mentioned the NHL awards, and there's something that it's been kind of itching in the back of my mind. I was thinking about last year's Stanley Cup playoff run, not this year, when Phil Kessel's lighting the world on fire and Sidney Crosby ends up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. It was hard for a lot of people to process because it's like, how do you measure just being very good versus putting up the numbers? Yeah, the measurables, yeah. That exact issue is coming up right here. How do you measure Sidney Crosby standing up on a team loaded with stars versus Connor McDavid taking a team that wasn't necessarily yeah. ready to win well, let's, to, let's get right into it. Yeah. Okay. And, and we're going to answer some questions here. We'll kind of intersperse them throughout. But let, let's start right there at the heart. You know, obviously the nominees, Sergei Bobrovsky, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. Those are your three guys. Who, who do you have winning the heart? If it's my vote, my vote would go to Connor McDavid. Yeah. But I think that the voters will go for Sidney Crosby. You do. See, I disagree with you. My vote is actually for McDavid as well, and I think he wins it. Because it, I think if you take Connor McDavid off that Oilers team— they're not making the playoffs. They might make it, but they're not going to be near the team that they were. I know you got Leon Dreisaitl. you got some good players. Cam Talbot had a great year. But I think McDavid wins his first Hart Trophy in his second season. And I, there's going to be an award for Crosby, but it's not going to be that award. Not that. And you don't want to sell Sergei Bobrovsky short, but it's really been a two-horse race for, yeah. for a while. I mean, the, what Columbus did this season, you think about where they were five years ago. You know, Even pretty, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, b- being a team that you would never consider being any kind of serious playoff threat. Nobody wants to play them anymore. Sergei Bobrovsky is a big part of that. But I- I'd like to see McDavid win just because of what's happened in Edmonton there, for yeah. sure. Well, for me, Bobrovsky doesn't get it. He's really limped down the finish. And you know, you could you could give the heart to a goalie every year. You, but they have their own category. We'll get to the right. yep, and all that coming up. Okay, so let's look at the Ted Lindsay Award. Your nominees here, Brent Burns. 
Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. Now, this is voted on by the players. This is the NHLPA, the best player in the NHL, as voted on by the peers. I'll go first here. Okay. Sidney Crosby wins the award. Yeah, Sidney Crosby's the best player. But yeah. it's interesting that you say that it's voted on the players because there's a lot of people. The question has emerged, if you're starting a franchise, who do you start with? And it's been split because of the age. First of all, that's well, a testament yeah. to Crosby, the yeah. fact that he's 29 and still keeping up with a young superstar. But there are some serious heavy-hitting players that would say, yeah, Sidney Crosby is by far the best player in the league, all, all due respect to Connor McDavid. Yeah, I give. The, I think Crosby gets the, gets the, the backing of the uh, players in the NHL. I think he wins the Ted Lindsay. All right, let's go to, we'll do one more, and then we'll take some questions. The Norris Trophy. Now, this is a very interesting one. You got Brent Burns, uh, Victor Hedman, and Eric Carlson in here. I mean, you have some dynamic players, some dynamic offensive defensemen. Uh, you go first on this one. For I, me, I'm dug in on this one. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty dug in as well. For me, it's Eric Carlson. Wow. Er, Eric Carlson is the most important player on the Senators, Mm -hmm. and you can see he controls the game when he's in. And when he's healthy, forget about it. You saw what he did in the playoffs. I know it's a regular season award. But the playoffs, if you haven't gotten to see a whole lot of Senators games, you noticed him every time he was on the ice driving offense and controlling possession for Ottawa, which is not easy. When that team's controlled chaos and they've got the puck more often than not, it's because of Carlson. So when you looked at what they did in the regular season – just because it wasn't on, you know, the NHL on NBC and Rivalry Wednesdays and everything like that, he's been doing that for a long time, and he's been underappreciated despite putting up all the points that yeah. he's put up. Well, you always hear, yeah, obviously the, his deficiencies in his own zone. I thought he was a lot better with that this year, but I, I'm going Brent Burns here. You are. It, Brent Burns, the first 80% of this season was absolutely insane. There was no conversation. The, the, the Carver was already etching his name in the NARS. I think he gets it this year because I think the voters are smart. Interesting. So you're taking points off of Bobrovsky for limping down the stretch, but Burns gets 80% well, he was credit. So, he was so good. Okay. And that's the heart, like that trophy. Right. And the, and the other guys, look, Crosby has gone through periods where he wasn't great, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Brent Burns okay. on that one. And All right. Haven't had a good year, but he, he's not going to win that. We'll have to document the these selections, by the way. Well, yeah. There will be some place where people can check and make sure, you know, see what the record is for both All right. Let, let's take some Twitter questions yeah. here. All right. Uh, Joe Berardi, Jay Berardi, nineteen ninety six tweeted. Does the number two pick in Lindblom make the team? How about Moran, Samheim, and Hag? See, here's the problem. You're asking about three defensemen there. So you're going to have th- those three defensemen make the team, plus Gossespierre, who's now only going into his third year, right? And Provorov, who's going into his second year. So by my count, that's five defensemen. And only one of them has multi-years experience. And they, uh, they've they already point. shown that they value Manning and mm-hmm. Gudis. Yeah. So neither of those guys are not Manning could be team. a seventh, yeah. Right. And so, Gudis will be there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all three. I think you got a chance with Morin and Hag. Sanheim's really got to do something, and then they'd have to move somebody, in my opinion. To do. I just can't see them in the NHL starting that many rookie defensemen. That's trouble. Huh. I don't want to— Whoever the goalie is is going to have a say in this, too. Yeah, you know, like, Come on, dude. What are you doing to me here? And did he ask about the number two pick? The number two pick's probably making the team. Yeah, I would think so. When you look around the NHL now and see in the, it's such a young player's league, and you heard Chris Pryor say that as well, um, that you know, it is a young man's game now. It's a faster game than ever before. Limblom, I think, is going to need a little bit of seasoning probably in the, uh, in the AHL to get used to the North American game a little more. I don't think they bring him over and just pop him in to the NHL. I just don't see it. It's not been Ron Hextall's uh, modus operandi, if you will. Well, yeah, and, and you've seen it happen 
wrongly with other teams. Like Michael Delzato probably got too much too early from the Rangers. Derek Pouliot hasn't progressed the way that the Penguins would like to see him because they've thrown all this additional responsibility on him. The, the way that you're handling defensemen has to be different from the way that you handle forwards, especially rookies, and that's what Ron Hextall has done really well. Yeah. All right, now Matthew Coleman with a question here tweets in and says, why the hell did the Flyers protect Scott Lawton? Um, that was my first reaction, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going, why are they protecting Scott? Like, wasn't it time to give up on this guy? Well, according to uh, Chris Pryor and according to a lot of other people, he really had a good year, really worked hard with the Phantoms. I'm not going to pretend that I sat there and watched Phantoms games. Um, this is an Achilles last stand situation for Lawton. Uh, he cannot go back and forth now. So, look, I don't agree with it, but that's their logic. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was the smartest move in the world, but he got protected. The, the last thing for him might be a reinvention into, you know, a specialist. Because we, we kind of saw him as potentially being a playmaker, didn't know if he was going to be an NHL scorer. But now when you focus on penalty killing and defense and things like that, that might be his last chance to stick with the team or else he'll have uh, an opportunity to prove himself somewhere else. All right, here's a good question. Chris Naffy. How realistic is it for Konechny, Patrick, and Heischer, uh, Dash Lindblom to play together and become the top line at some point this season? Uh, not at all. No, I don't. I don't see you that. Couldn't either. put that much youth on one line and have it be the top line going against the veteran top defensive pairing. I, yeah, there's no chance. No, I don't think so. No, that, that that's just not going to. I thought that was a good question. I was wrong, but so, but thanks for submitting it, Chris. <laughs> we appreciate that. Okay, uh, Tom Mount. How come the Flyers they didn't re-sign Steve Mason? This is one that I've gotten a lot on Twitter before. Sure. Um, they made a decision that they wanted to they signed Neuvert. I think they signed him to expose him. He didn't get taken, obviously. Uh, but as for Mason, I think, well, I don't think, I know, the relationship is completely shot. Oh, yeah. On both sides. Both sides are exhausted by Talk it. about a fresh start for both. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's needed. It, it wasn't working. Mason did not like the way he was used here. He spoke out about it. He also said things during the season kind of throwing his teammates and their effort under the bus uh, when they were on that one road trip later in the season. I know writers liked him because he always spoke and he was honest and maybe too much so. Uh, but believe me, that stuff does not go over well in the room. Yeah, you if, can't if, do that. If writers like you because you're likely to say something, that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that, especially in hockey, uh-huh. that the team's going to be all on board. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and look, Steve Mason, look, he, he had periods here where he was really good. The problem was he was very a little too inconsistent, and he, he's not going to be the guy to lead you. And the, and the relationship was so fractured at that point that they had to they had to move on. He needs to move on. I don't know where he's going to end up. This goalie carousel this offseason has been been interesting, but we'll see where he ends up. There's a pretty interesting question here from uh, at Mason Doc Doc Holiday. Who's a player that might be available in free agency that can elevate G's game like uh, Jags did on his line? Oh, like Yager. Okay. Yep. So th- there's a guy who's available. That's likely not going to be here. TJ Oshie's like a, a tailor-made fit in terms of clearing space because that's what yep. Yager did really well for give, Giroux. Yeah, Giroux, a guy like time and space with his big body. Yeah, but Oshie's likely not landing here in Philadelphia. Yeah, too, it's, he's going to cost too much money. Um, he had a really good year with Washington. Um, I don't think I would pay the money in term that he would want, um, especially when you have the number two pick. I just I just don't think I'd feel comfortable with it. Anybody else out there that would do it for you? Oh, boy, I don't I'd have to. I'll look. I'll look around and kind of see what I see. But I'm. I don't know. I, I don't really want to get into this mode of spending big money right now. No, not when the team's that. so young. Yeah, if your so. timing will be off. Your time timetable will be thrown off. Doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, Puddles BJJ tweets him. What do you think is the best Flyers could get for trading Claude Giroux? Congratulations on the podcast. 
Um, they're not going to trade him puddles. But what what's the best that they could get? You're not going to get any. You're not going to get what you give in return. First, he's got obviously he's got the no movement clause. Right. So this is almost a moot point. He's not going to waive the no movement clause right now anyway. Um, but what you could get for a 29 year old player whose numbers have declined, uh, that makes the kind of money and has the term that he has, is not. You're not going to get much of a return. It's more of a salary dump. Right. Than anything else. You're not going to get in return a 23-year-old or, or some like a Jonathan Drouin. Right. You wouldn't have gotten that. Well, it's, it's so funny that you brought that up, Jay, because I was going to say, especially recently, in the last three or so years, there has not been an even hockey trade, period. Th- yeah, there's even been even a the winner. PK for Shea Weber. For That's Shea a Weber. win. Yeah. I mean, you look at that and you go... With a term left on Shea Weber's deal is insane. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? For for a player that's already declining in terms of yeah. mobility, his physical nature, things like that. He can still shoot, obviously. But PK, you saw the Drewan deal. The Kessel deal looks terrible for Montreal. They're keeping 1.8 for the life of that contract. Nobody wins trades. There's no even uh, trades anymore. So if you're trading away, Claude Drew, you're likely on the losing end. All right. One more question, then we're going to wrap things up for the first episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It's Jason Martinez, Joe Torty, and we thank uh, Chris Pryor from the Flyers, Assistant General Manager, for joining us a little bit earlier. Here's the last question, Joe, from Dan Miles. And this is a great question. This is one of the reasons why my ass and your ass is sitting here right now. <laughs> why is Flyers hockey shunned by the local media? That's a great question. You know, I think that when you look at the way that hockey is covered and appreciated by fans— there's so much more of an ownership. There's so much more of an R game aspect to it than, you know, just destroying the Eagles when they're bad and just crushing the Sixers for the process and, the and, you know, totally tuning out the Phillies. You know, when you take a look at it, it's a harder sport to cover, and it's fanatical in the interest, and it's hard to know. It's hard to evaluate. Jay, you know this. You, you've been talking about Claude Giroux and his, his effect on the team, his impact on the team. If you just look at stat lines, that doesn't tell even close to the amount of the story for hockey. So instead of doing the work and challenging yourself to be better at your job and cover the team the way that it should be and know what you're looking at, it's just easier to say, ah, it's the Flyers. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, not talk about it. I, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Look, um, there, there's a, a large community in Philadelphia that really knows the game. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people, and a lot of these people tend to pick up the phone. And we're going to take calls on the podcast at times as well. Right. There's going to be people that pick up the phone and call that think the game's played from the offensive blue line to the goal line. They don't understand about 200-foot responsibility, or they don't really know what they're seeing. So it, it is a tougher thing to talk about on the radio. But that being said, that's why we're here. Yep. That's why we're doing this. It's we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. We're going to do this every week. Next week's going to be a, a great one because we're going to have a ton of things, things that are known. Yeah. We well, know it, about the draft. And, and, Jay, you talked about the 200-foot the game and stuff. There's going to be videos and, and telestrations, and the, we're going to do some education here, yeah. too, about, about advanced st- uh, stats and Corsi and yep. everything else. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we're going we're, we're to get guests uh, pretty much every week, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have guys come in and sit in for the whole show, and like I said, we'll end up Facebook living or I don't know how to do all that stuff, but we'll figure that out and uh, really have a little bit more tighter interaction as it happens if, if you are here. And obviously the Twitter interaction is great and stuff as well. Uh, But we appreciate everybody listening, and uh, we're going to do it again next week. It's going to be a really awesome, busy, crazy week when when we find out who was taken for sure in the expansion draft, who was taken to flip, uh, how many picks McPhee got, 
how this is all going to play, the entry draft on Friday, and then the slew of trades that will be announced that have been kind of uh, held under wraps here. That's all coming out in the next, like, 48 hours. Yeah, so, so next week's episode is going to be a really good time. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until that time, Jason, stick to hockey. Yeah, we'll stick to hockey. Thank you, everybody.